Alright, so tonight we're going to continue in our series on Ephesians and we're up to Ephesians chapter 5. Has everyone been enjoying it so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't say no even if you weren't, so that's good. But we're going to look at tonight Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 14, so let's read them to start. It says, living in the light, imitate God, therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes. I'm glad I got this week. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness. To God, like Pam said, the the message translation says there, let thankfulness be our dialect. Let thankfulness be the thing that we are known for. Verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you the light. It's a great chapter as it, as it talks about light. And in our youth ministry here at North Lakes in Epic, this, this year our theme is Be the Light. We are, we are believing, we are teaching we are raising a generation of young people who are Matthew 5.14 people, those that go and be the light in the world. And we believe that we can see a generation of young people who, who don't need to know the answers, they don't need to have all the, the ticks in the checkboxes, but they can simply go into their world and they can be the light. They can be a beacon for hope. They can point people towards Jesus Christ as the answer for every problem that we have. And just like Ephesians 5 says here, we, we need to be people of the light. On Friday night, we went one step further as we started back for the term. And we talked about John fifteen thirteen, which which mentions that uh, Jesus saying that there is no greater love, there's no greater way that you can demonstrate love than to lay down your life for someone else. And what a great weekend to stop and remember that, about the laying down of lives for other people. Yesterday we, we celebrated, we commemorated, we respectfully remembered the sacrifices of over 100,000 young men and, and women that happened uh, that, that of our Anzacs. And 100 years yesterday was the, was the time of Gallipoli. That, that story that we've all heard for so many years, those accounts of what happened there. And what a great time to stop and think about this, this call for us to be light, to be people who would lay down our life 
for the sake of others. All those thousands of men that we remembered yesterday who, who decided to lay down their life for a cause they might not have known, for, for freedom for their people, for the, the safety of their country, for the generations that would come after them so that we can have what we have today. You know, that's the business that we're in. We're in the business of laying down our life and not, I don't say this to, to detract from or be disrespectful to the Anzacs, but that's the business that we're in to bring freedom, to bring salvation, to bring something better for the generations that come after us. And, uh, and so what better a weekend to, to stop and to think about the call that Christ has for us to lay down our life to show that there is no greater love than to put our life on the line before someone else's. There's a great story told about an Anzac named Jack Simpson Kilpatrick, Kirkpatrick. Does anyone remember this one from school? The story of him and his donkey. hundred years ago today, he was in Gallipoli. He would have landed on the beach yesterday morning a hundred years ago. And, uh, and, and he spent his time and his donkey uh, out there on the battlefield. Now, I said to the youth ministry on Friday night, if I was heading off to war, there are many things that I would think to pack, but I probably wouldn't take a donkey. Now, he, he may very well have found one on the beach just standing there doing nothing, but the story, as you would remember, is that instead of being a part of the battle, and, and standing in the trenches, this man, Simpson, put himself between the two sides that were fighting and for 26 days rescued fallen Anzacs from the battlefield. A man who laid down his life, who put his life on the line. I, I know there's probably no safe place to be on that beach, but here's a man who put down his gun and headed out into the war zone And in 26 days, rescued 300 people and brought them back to the hospitals and to the care of of the army. Look, I I don't know how many of them went on to survive, how many of them lived through those weeks and and made it back home. But I've got to think, out of those 300 people, before on the 19th of May, he was shot in the back probably walking back with his donkey, carrying people who knew. How many of those 300 people now have generations that are alive today? Hundreds, possibly thousands of people are are alive today because this man, Simpson, and his donkey stepped out of the battlefield, put their life on the line, and went rescuing people who could be alive today. So I got to wonder as, as we work through Ephesians, as we, as we look at our vision for the year of being the church, what is the price that we are prepared to pay? What are we willing to do to lay our life down, to put our life on the line in front of others so that we can be the church, so that we can go and be the light and be hope in a dark place like Ephesians tells us that we need to be? like Matthew, like Jesus instructed us in Matthew 5.14. And in these 14 verses that I read, where Paul is talking to us about the light that's in our life, it's verse 8 that stands out for me. I feel like this is the, the summary. The, if you get this, you, 
You get everything that Paul's trying to say. And verse 8 in the New Living Translation says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Paul's instructing us to live as people of light. People who need to be the light. And when I, when I thought of this, when I read this, I, I instantly thought of the movie Iron Man. Is, did anyone else read that passage then and straight away think Iron Man or was it just me? Just me. Well, that's, that's all right. I'm always looking for an excuse to use Iron Man in a message. But, um, and this just happens to be one of those. But Iron Man is a great story, I, I believe. And, and if, if you're unsure what I'm talking about, stick with me. Because I believe it's a great analogy to understand Paul. I'm sure when Paul was writing, he never thought that one day someone would be preaching and, and using a, a Marvel superhero comic character to, to explain the wisdom in his letters here, but we're going to do it anyway. So it, it, Iron Man is a, is a superhero. Uh, he wears this uh, body armor that's made of iron, hence the name, if you didn't get that. And it does all cool things, helps him to fly, gives him strength, has, you know, weapons on it and stuff like that. Uh, but how the story goes is that there's a guy named Tony Stark and he is, uh, he's a billionaire, which always helps if you want to be a superhero. It's like the first thing, be a billionaire or be an alien from another planet. They're like the two criteria. And so he's a billionaire. So uh, he's made his money or his family has by inventing, developing and manufacturing weapons. And he would sell them to the military. Weapons of Mass destruction, weapons that were designed to do evil things. And one day when he's out there uh, demonstrating his latest invention to the military, uh, his convoy is attacked. He gets captured. He wakes up in a cave. He's been injured. And, and uh, this, this isn't a documentary, okay? This is fictional, so stay with me. Uh, he wakes up with an artificial heart and he's connected to a, to a car battery in a cave to stay alive. Told you, no documentaries here. And so to, to cut a long story short, he ends up kind of inventing this new power source to, to, uh, to power his heart. And he goes back and he becomes somebody who is the exact opposite of who he used to be. He used to be a man who, who was uh, consumed by greed and making money at the destruction of other people. His life revolved around inventing new ways to destroy lives and to destroy countries and to empower the evil people of the world. And suddenly, because he's had a, a transition in his heart, he's had a, a heart replacement, he goes back and becomes a superhero, suddenly fighting for everything that he used to be a part of. He's now out there saving people. He's now out there attacking the bad guys. He's now out there fighting for the injustice of those. He's rescuing people. He's saving people. You know, Paul said, our life was once full of darkness and now we have light from the Lord. That is where the analogy comes in. A, a transition in our heart, a, a new heart has been put in us when we become a Christian, when we follow Christ, when we're born again. It's a new heart, a new direction in our life. But the other interesting thing about Iron Man, well, there's many interesting things, but he's, he's known for light. 
if there's, if there's any, ever a picture of Iron Man, if you ever want to know if he's awake and ready to go into attack mode, it's because he's lit up. He, he is known as a beacon of light. That is his calling card. Not only does this new, this new device that powers his heart do that well, he notices that now he has the power to do other things. He has the power to build himself a suit out of iron, put rockets in it and, and all these cool things. You know, a changed heart doesn't just change the direction. It doesn't just take us from a place of darkness into light, but it also gives us the ability to be empowered for even more. And I don't want to steal Jess's thunder because I know she's talking about the armor of God soon, but you can, you can use that analogy if you want. Because there is Iron Man 2, there is Iron Man 3, so we can keep going with this. But many of us this week would have experienced darkness, right? Not having power. We were fortunate to only have a lack of power for a day and a half. And I know many of you are are still struggling, Ebony. Lucky you've got a Samsung that lasts for three weeks. Not an iPhone like us. We were off to grandma's the next day to plug in and charge up. But many of us experienced darkness this week in a way that we probably aren't really used to. We take for granted that switch on the wall that we can turn on and off and power happens and and applications on our smartphones to create torches and and all these things. We we take for granted that. But I noticed this week on, on Tuesday we had no power and because it was so overcast that about three o'clock in the afternoon, it started to get dark. And I, I thought, you know, we've got hours and we'll, the kids will be right. We'll get dinner cooked in daylight. And, and it started to really get dark. And I realized that within an hour, we wouldn't be able to see properly in our house to be able to do everything that we needed to do. So I did what every organized man does. And um, I looked in my garage and went, no, nope, not even going to look in there. And I went to Bunnings. You're never going to find anything in my garage, and uh, especially when it's dark. And so I went down to Bunnings, and, um, and they had conveniently placed everything that you need to buy that day, like torches and batteries, right at the door, which is good. And, and I went in there, and I picked up some LED lights, and, and I thought, I'm going to go find a candle. And I was lucky enough to get the very last candle at Bunnings Glendale on Tuesday. I didn't have to beat anyone up for it. Uh, no one beat me up either. And, um, but I, I noticed something about the fear of darkness that was coming upon these people in Bunnings. You know, we were all there because we had experienced the same thing, imminent darkness and no light. I saw people, and I'm not saying this to be funny, but I saw people pulling bags of tea light candles from each other's hand. I saw people snatching tarpaulins out from each other to get what they needed because of this fear of darkness. And, and it made me realize when, when darkness is the option, when there is no light, the things that people will do, the things that our world will do, that we will do to have any opportunity to try and grab some light is incredible. So how much more as the church do we need to be out there and being the light 
that people are so desperately losing their mind over in, in, in not having light for six or seven hours. The whole world, well not the whole world, Bunnings Glendale goes to mess. But we got home and, and I had this candle. I was, I was obviously proud of it because I'd been out hunting and gathering and looking after my family. And, um, you know, providing light. Awesome. And, and, we, and, you know, we did everything by LED lights. We managed to convince the kids it was great. It was like camping and got them to sleep. And, and I, I wanted to light my candle because I'd worked so hard to get this candle that I had to get some benefit from it. So I, I, I was really amazed at, like, absolute darkness. You know, not a, not a standby light on the TV, not a, not a clock on the microwave, not a street light kind of coming in or the, the neighbor's light, back light kind of filtering in, but absolute darkness, how there was, there's just nothing. It was overcast, so clouds and had covered stars and, and the moon. And then to light this candle in the middle of our dining room, this one little candle, and realize that how much of an effect such a little light can have in absolute darkness. You don't notice it when you have a few little lights around your house and you light a candle. But when there is, when there is nothing else, when the world is dark, when people are fighting over tarpaulins at Bunnings, a little candle can change everything. Suddenly, you know, I, I, my home, I couldn't sit around and read a book or, or do anything like that by candlelight. But I could navigate where I was. I could see things. I had some kind of ability to walk around and not run into things because of just a little bit of light. It's a great example of what Paul has told us that we need to be as people of the light, as Jesus instructed us to be. We might think, well, hey, I'm just a little candle. How can I be the church? Well, a little candle does a lot in absolute darkness. But I tell you what my candle didn't have to do. My candle didn't have to fix my electricity problem. My candle didn't have to have all the right answers to my questions. It didn't have to counsel and guide me through the electricity power outage that we were having. All it had to do was provide a little bit of light. All it had to be was just a little light that could provide some hope that I would get through the night, some ability to see. And, you know, I believe that that's what God wants from us. Not people who want to wait till we have all the answers, so we feel we have the confidence to counsel someone through every situation or quote them the correct Bible verse from the right translation. All we have to be is just a little bit of light in a dark place. And that's enough. Just a little bit of hope, just a little bit of direction that sends people the right way. You know, Paul lists a whole heap of things in this passage which were not too enjoyable to read out, I must admit. I must have uh, not been there that week when we decided who was preaching this week. Let's give it to Adam. He's not here. No, it didn't happen that way. I must have just said something wrong. 
But I read through this and I thought, you know, so often a passage like this in the Bible is used to define our faith and our belief. What, what we choose to follow, it's, it's used so often to, do, to define us by a list of things that you cannot do. Things that are wrong. But I don't really get that from this passage. Because Paul is telling us here in verse 8 that once we were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. See, I believe this is the, the verse that defines everything for us. And all these things that he lists, lust, filthy practices, greed, gossip, Dirty or silly talk, adultery and religious smooth talk, useless, vain pursuits. I just think that they are things we need to stay away from because of the effect that they have on our light. They don't make us so bright. They don't allow us to be people who live in the light. And and I've got a a little illustration that I want to do with for you and this is just a a little light that I have here so we're going to make it a little bit dark in here that was your cue there we go isn't that isn't that romantic you see this this is what I believe that this verse is all about you see as people I don't want to kill anyone's eyes so wave at me if I'm killing you As people who have become followers of Christ, as people who have had our heart transplanted, Paul tells us here that we are no longer in darkness, but we are in. And our heart from what is inside us produces light and produces that which is good. But we read all these things that Paul tells us in here and and what I believe happens is that why Paul wants to list all these things that feel so terrible and are too often used as a list of cannots is not because they are affecting our salvation or our relationship with God. And I know that in a way that they do, but the truth is that Paul is telling us here that for us to be the church and to be the light and for the sake of this world, We must do all that we can to keep our light bright. To keep our light being something that shines brightly. You see, when we let these things enter our life, these vain pursuits, these greed, these other things that are listed here, it's like we dim our light. And our light suddenly doesn't become as effective as it should be. Suddenly when you're sitting in your high school and and there's a young person who's there and she's so concerned about her self-worth that she doesn't know why anyone would love her and a light goes past that's a little bit too dim, then the light never reaches her life to expose the darkness and to give her hope in a blackout. When you're in your workplace and Someone, uh, someone struggling in their own life, trying to get through depression, 
broken relationships. And your light is a little bit dim. Our light, my light, anyone's light is a little bit dim. Well, there's not a beacon of hope. But you see, as people of the light, as people who want to be the church, as people who will say, you know what? For the sake of this world, I will lay down my life. As we begin to avoid these things in our life, this list of things that too often become cannots, but really they're like should nots. Because as we avoid them in our life and remove them from our life, our light starts to get a little bit brighter. And when we walk into those places of darkness, when we go into our world as Jesus instructed, to be the light in our world, in your workplace, in your family, in your group of friends, in your neighborhood and your street. When somebody experiences the fear that darkness brings. When somebody feels like they need to scramble and tackle for every last candle in a bunning store. They no longer have to because suddenly there is a light. Because we are people of the light. There is no longer darkness inside us, but there is light. And the great thing that I love is that this verse doesn't say that the light is anything we have to gain. It's just something that we have to maintain. To live a life in the light. To live a life that says, you know what the cost I will pay is? It's not the sacrifice of my money. It's not the sacrifice of time. It's not the things that I have to do without, that if I want to be the church, the sacrifice that I have to make, the price that I have to pay, the way I lay my life on the line is to maintain my light, to be bright, to do whatever it takes to ensure that my light is not dim, that there is no filter upon my light. And I believe North Lakes, as I put down this light before it burns my hand, Should have went LA Day. I believe North Lakes that if we are going to be the church, and if you haven't heard what that means, you know, church isn't just us coming together on a Sunday. Church is when we as individuals go into our worlds, the places where we are, and be light. If we want to be the church, The cost we pay is to maintain our light. The cost we pay is to say no to things that are destructive anyway, but to say, you know what, for the sake of this world, for the sake of my friends and my family that fight and scramble in darkness, for the people in this community, for the houses across the road from this church that don't have any hope, for their sake, I will ensure that my life is bright. I will ensure that my light is never dim. I will ensure that I am close to God to live in the light. Love God, love others. John 15 says, this is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends 
You see, it all comes back to love. All those things that dim our lights like gossip. When we truly love people, we wouldn't gossip about them. How can lust even exist when there is true love? When we truly have a heart that is broken for the people of our community, for the young people in our high schools, for the families in our street, how can we be anything but a bright light? Because it's all about love for the sake of this world. We sung that earlier, for the sake of this world. How can we be anything but a bright light? For the sake of this world, how can we let anything dim our light? We are called, we are chosen, we are instructed to go forth and be the light. You don't have to have the answers. It's not about your scorecard, your longevity as a Christian whether you've completed Alpha or not. It's all about being that candle that can be lit in the dark place. I want the band to come as we sing this song for the sake of the world. But I don't want this just to be the song that we sing at the end of the meeting because that's what we do. I don't want us to just work through this like we do some weeks and, oh, yep, it's the last song. Let's get out there and eat our party pies. They're always too hot. Give them a chance to cool down. It's true. I'm saving you from party pie surprise where you bite into it and talking about the temperature, not if there's actually any meat in there. All right. But I just I just don't want us to leave here tonight wandering up that hill with a few extra party pies under our belt and that's it. I want us to leave here tonight with lights that are brighter. With a heart that is even more broken for people who need it for a different perspective on the role that we play in being the church. I want us to leave here charged up. Not lights that are running flat and a little bit dim, but lights that go out there and brighten this community, whatever world you come from, whatever home you sleep in tonight, whatever workplace you go to. I want to believe that because of an encounter tonight, because of a visit from the Holy Spirit right now, that those places are even brighter. Because you are there. Because you are the church. It's not the leadership team. It's not the worship team. It's all of us as individuals doing our part to be the candle in the darkest places. So I would love for us to sing this song as a prayer as a declaration, 
as a creed for as we go from this place where we meet every week to get charged up, to go out and be even brighter, to have less filters over our light because we are stronger. So can I ask that you stand with us as we sing? Feel free to worship in your seat. Feel free to stand on your seat. Come down the front and worship. But let's not leave here tonight the same way that we walked in. Let's be charged up. Let's be people of the light. Let's be brightness in a dark place. Let's sing. Let's worship. Come on.